We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hi friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 186. Our guest today is consistently one of the top hunter riders in the country. In 2012, he was awarded the WCHR Lifetime Achievement Award and has held the title of World Champion Hunter Rider four times. He also has the title of West Region USHJ Hunter Derby Rider of the Year annually since 2016. And in 2020, he was inducted into the National Show Hunter Hall of Fame. He recently joined forces with top Olympic show jumper Kent Farrington, and the two of them have been making huge waves together in this industry. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, John French. I would love to hear how you first kind of got into the equestrian industry. Well, I grew up riding in Maryland, and my mother was a horse trainer, took people to a few shows, but also fox hunting, pony club, eventing. Nice. You know, I did a little bit of I did a little bit of everything as a kid, and uh, you know maybe we went to two or three shows a year up till I was you know fourteen years old, and it wasn't until after that that I start really going to more horse shows. Nice. So you were riding and, and growing up riding in the Maryland area. At what point did you? kind of like what you were saying, start showing and competing and, and kind of doing it a little bit more on a a larger scale or or a higher level? Well, uh, in my teen years, my mother became the manager of the Columbia Horse Center in Columbia, Maryland. And so there was a lot of horse shows that were put on at that facility, you know, winter shows, schooling shows, few A shows, quarter horse shows. So in, in those years, you know, I was at a, a barn where there were shows all the time. So I would try to show, you know, whether it be in a hunter show or quarter horse show, or I'd always try to find something to show at the horse shows. That's awesome. At, at what point, I mean, was it pretty early on where you thought like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to be a horse trainer. I want to be a rider. Uh, at what point was that kind of it for you? Well, I started going to the A shows and started seeing people like George Morris and all these famous riders, Rodney yeah. Jenkins and things, and Charlie Weaver. And I thought, oh, I want to you know, ride horses like that. And, uh, but I didn't think that, you know, we would ever be able to afford it and, you know, I would ever get the opportunity to do that. So I was a little bit discouraged that, you know, I didn't think that was going to happen for me. Uh, until George Morris did that critique in the uh, in Practical Horseman, and you know, gave me confidence and said that you know my equitation was really good, and so I thought, well, maybe if I could borrow another uh, friend's horse and I could train myself, and you know, go to the fi- Maryland and Virginia finals and and s- see how well I could do, just training myself because at that time, you know, my mother training me, it was a little bit hard, your mom training you and you kind of, you know, wanted somebody else. Sure. And, yeah. 
And uh, I ended up you know, winning the Maryland finals that year, um, doing it all myself. And and people started offering me ponies and, and horses to ride. And if it, you know, that's the way I got started, really. I mean, that must have been a huge pivotal moment in your life and, and your and then career also. Walk me through kind of what that was like, you know, having that critique from someone who, uh, who, when they say that you have really good equitation, I mean, that's a huge deal coming from George Morris. So kind of like walk me through that and what that was like for you. Yeah. I mean, I had a 15-2 hand Palomino horse and I was taking it to the big A shows and wondering why, you know, I wasn't winning in the junior hunters (laughs) against these, at that time, fancy thoroughbred horses. And and it was just, I thought I was very discouraged and and thought this wasn't going to happen for me. And when I saw that article, I had stopped showing. I had decided I wasn't going to show that much anymore. I would just ride for fun because I couldn't do it the way I wanted to do it. And I wanted to be able to go to those big shows after I had a taste of going to those shows and seeing those famous riders. And when I got the article came out in Practical Horseman, at the end of the article, George Morris, which, you know, he was always very critical. He said, you know, all in all, this is the best example of classic hunter seat equitation I've ever seen. And then that just gave me that little push that maybe I, you know, maybe if I just worked harder and maybe if I, you know, found a a horse that was more kind of horse that they were looking for at at those shows that, you know, maybe I could compete with those people. And, you know, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of my catch riding after that. You know, after I won that, people started offering me ponies and horses to ride. And, you know, I did that. I've done that, you know, all my career really is ridden other people's horses and, and ponies and, and catch road things where I didn't really know. And I would just meet them at the shows and get on and show them. Yeah. So then what brought you um, to the West Coast? And when, when did that happen? That was in 1987. I, I had, was 25 years old. I had been working, you know, under different professionals for, you know, ever since I got out of high school. And I finally decided I wanted to uh, start my own business. And I really wanted it to be in New Hope, Pennsylvania is where I wanted to start my business. And I had a couple clients. I was looking for a horse for one of my clients and I called a friend that lived in California and asked if I could come out and and she could line up some horses for me to try. And she said, sure. And I had never been to the West Coast before. And right before I flew out there, she said, when you're coming, do you think you could show for us? Because our trainer is sick and he's in the hospital and we're all going to a show. We don't have anyone to show our horses. So I thought this would be fun. I'll fly out to a show on the West Coast and catch ride a bunch of horses uh, on that coast and make some extra money. And when I arrived at the show, uh, they found out that week that their trainer, his name was Patrick Rostrom, that he uh, was sick because he had AIDS. And he, it, you know, was it was full-blown AIDS. And 
he wasn't going to be able to train them anymore. He was you know, quite sick. And then they had asked me to come back and do another show a couple weeks later. I came back and did Benlo. And then they asked for me to come back in another couple of weeks. But in this time, the horses were getting like uh, less and less trained. And, and uh, because there was really no one they're training them uh, very much in between. So then they asked if I would just come out there. And he had a built-in business with maybe 18, 20 horses in training. And, you know, I had three horses in, in New Hope, Pennsylvania. And I just thought, well, maybe, maybe I should just move to the West Coast. And uh, I guess I could we'll start my business out on the West coast. I had never thought of coming, going to the West coast, but uh, it just sort of happened that way. And I was there for over 30 years. What were some of the kind of similarities and differences um, that you experienced between West coast and East coast riding and, and just the circuits in general? Well, one thing I won't make the mistake of is, is they asked me that question when I flew out to that first show. Uh, a, a newspaper interviewed me and said, you know, what is the difference between, you know, the East Coast, riding on the East Coast and the West Coast? And my response was, I can't believe there's no flies out here. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the newspaper articles was like, East Coast rider can't doesn't believe there's no flies or something like that. So, <laughs> That's great. Um, but I guess the biggest difference is on the West Coast, you don't really have the the space and the the turnout. And I remember coming to the barn and then saying, "Wait, until you see the barn? It's so you know beautiful." And then I went there and. I mean, it was nice, but I was like, well, where's the turnout? Where's the paddocks and the turnout? Like, well, we have two paddocks here, but I mean, that's more than most people have. And, you know, they were smaller dirt paddocks. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that there isn't the space because it is beautiful on the West Coast and, you know, the the weather is great and, and, and everything, but you don't have the fields and I mean, there's some places with trails, but you just don't have the grass and the, the and things that you have on the East coast and showing, you know, a good horse on the West coast. I mean, you can still come East and, you know, a good horse is a good horse and a good rider. We have great horses on the, on the West coast. And we had great riders as well. They can go and compete against, the east the one thing about the west coast though is that you're pretty much showing against the same people every week you know mm-hmm. in california i mean occasionally there'd be some shows in northern california and maybe you would go to a different show but you know most of the hunter shows for me were in southern california and it was really the the same people every time that you went to a show i mean unless you went east or you went to kentucky or you you ventured off to do some other circuit on the Midwest or on the East Coast. If you stayed in California, 
you shoot against the same people. Whereas it seems like on the East coast, there's so many different shows that you can go to that within a short distance and see different people all the time where you'd have to go pretty far from California to find another horse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, especially on the East, it seems for the most part you do Florida in the winter, but then the rest of the year, you it kind of is dependent on, you know, what region you want to show in or where, where you're based in the summer. And you can really sometimes not see people again until, until finals. So yeah, that is very, that's very interesting. Tell me a little bit about how you have, I, I mean, assuming that most of us in the industry have experienced some sort of burnout with being a part of this career, how have you been able to overcome that feeling over the years? Well, I think probably because I'm always riding different horses, you know, it's not the same all the time. I will go to shows and ride for different people and different horses. So it's not, it's not always the same, but I I definitely did have, have had times where I was a little burned out of, you know, showing, I guess it was like in the nineties. I had a few friends actually die of during uh, that had AIDS and for me, you know, I had to keep going to the shows and I had to, you know, we had a show this week and next week and I didn't really get to spend as much time with those people or take time to grieve or take time to, and, you know, it was hard for me. And I thought, you know, there's, there is more than, sh- than just showing. And I took a break. I, went to school that summer and I had a business partner and I let him do the shows. I went on some, I throughout the years I've been on several spiritual retreats. I went to New Mexico a couple of times on two week spiritual retreats. I went uh, to Asheville, North Carolina on a spiritual Buddhist retreat. So in those periods that were rough for me, you know, I, I used that time to, to really reflect and realize what was, what was important and uh, those things helped me a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think that this is such a hard industry sometimes to be able to take a moment and step away and process things or grieve, or I just recently lost my dad and being able to be a part of a team that allows me to step away and, and experience that. Otherwise, man, it, it is so hard to even, you know, just take a day off, let alone take some significant time to figure stuff out. Exactly. In this, in this industry, it's, it's, hard to take time off you know you're always going it's always another show and sometimes you have to realize you know those those things can wait you don't have to go to every show 
Right. Definitely. What would you say, kind of looking back at some moments of your career, would be some high points or or memories or events um, that really stick out in your mind? Well, probably the one thing that really, as far as in my career, was when I first started becoming a professional and doing it for a living. my biggest win was at Washington International Horse Show. I think it was in my early 20s, and I was riding a horse named Ice Palace, and it was Washington, the night class, you know, where people used to dress up. And uh, I mean, it was a big deal, a big crowd, and and I ended up winning the, the handy class that night. And... Uh, the riders that were behind me that were Rodney Jenkins was second, Katie Monahan was third, Charlie Weaver was fourth. Wow. Uh, I think the Tommy Ciro and Don Stewart. And I mean, to, to show against those people and, and win that class, that, that meant everything to me that, that win more than, you know, it, probably more than any of the wins that I've, I've had. Yeah, talk about a full circle moment. <laughs> yeah. That's so those were my idols, you know, growing yeah. up. Wow. That is so cool. Okay, so I have a question for you listening because I honestly used to dread having to get prescriptions filled for my animals. Does the idea of having to re-up your prescriptions give you anxiety? I used to be the same way, but then I started shopping at FarmVet. They make it so easy to get my prescriptions filled. All I have to do is order online and they do the rest. On top of making your prescription buying hassle-free, they also have a very knowledgeable staff that I can bounce things off of when I'm questioning a supplement my horse is currently using or considering trying some new. Plus, I love how easy it is to set up and manage auto shipments, so I know my horses always have what they need when they need it. Whether you're shopping online or over the phone, which I've also done all the time because it's super quick, you'll get free shipping on all of your orders over $79. Thinking about giving them a try? You can use my code MYEQUESTRIANSTYLE to get 10% off your first order. Check out FarmVet at farmvet.com. That's F-A-R-M-V-E-T dot com. Again, that is 10% off your order by using code MYEQUESTRIANSTYLE. Some restrictions do apply, like prescriptions and price-protected brands, so make sure you see store for details. Thank you so much, FarmVet. All right, let's get back to the episode. Take me back again, rewind back. You're in the West Coast. You are riding and training. Then how did you uh, start working with Kent and, and what did that kind of transition and process look like? Well, I had decided to make a change and I had actually um, moved to Seattle. And I thought, you know, now I'm going to do less catch riding because I'd had a couple accidents catch riding and I thought, okay, maybe I should, I'm getting older now. I shouldn't ride so many horses that I don't know that well. And so maybe I will start trying to develop more of a clientele that I'm teaching because the area I was living at the time in California was the central coast. And there really wasn't many people there that rode. I kept my horses there, but 
I would just go to shows and ride for people and I wasn't going to get the, any clients in that area. So I decided to move to Seattle at a friend's barn and I'd only been there for maybe six months, uh, or maybe not even six months. And I just got a phone call one day from Kent and he said, you know, I heard you left California. Uh, would you want to work together with me and do the hunters? And I said, no. I mean, I was flattered for sure that <laughs> yeah. Kent call, called me. And I mean, I had bought a horse from him for a client before, but, you know, I didn't know him that well. And the fact that he called me for sure, I was flattered, but I thought, uh, I mean, I wish he'd called me sooner, but I said, I've already, I've moved to Seattle. I just bought a home. I don't think I'm going to make another move, you know, right now. Yeah. And he said, well, why don't, you know, just think about it. Come and meet me at Washington and we'll have breakfast and talk. And so I did. And then he said, you know, why don't you come and see the place in Florida? And so I went to Florida and around Thanksgiving and yeah. Then the, the next thing I was like, you know what, this is, <laughs> I think this is what I want to do. Yeah. This actually is this is a good fit. Yeah. So yeah. Right at the end of 2019, uh, around Christmas time. Yeah. I moved to Florida and, you know, so started with Kent beginning of 2020 and, you know, it's almost, almost two years now, but it's been great. I mean, and, at first, you know, he had his own horses that, you know, I helped him sell. There weren't hunter clients in the barn. And we sold those horses that year, <clears throat> except for Babylon. It's the one we kept. And, yeah, I mean, I guess I was lucky in a way with COVID that, you know, we weren't showing. We had that big break when there weren't any shows. And so I got to spend a lot of time working together with Kent yeah, because he wasn't off showing in Europe and a lot of the shows have been canceled. So it was good that first year that we really spent time together and I could see how he liked things done and he could help me with the horses and, you know, we could hopefully he felt confident with, with me and, and his horses and you know, things have progressed from there and, now we have several clients that I'm helping and yeah, this is going quite well. Amazing. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Babylon. He's obviously such a special horse and would love to hear about, you know, the story, how you guys first, first got him. And then obviously congratulations on Grand Hunter Champion at Capital Challenge this year. That was amazing to watch. So tell me a little bit about him. Like what's his personality like? What was the, is there like a story behind how you found him? Uh, well, right before I had arrived at Ken's, I th think Ken had had seen the horse in Europe or shown videos, and he showed me the video. I was like, "What do you think about this horse?" And you know, I couldn't really tell from the video. I mean, he jumped well, but he was jumping probably higher than he should have been, and he and he looked a little more blood than I'm used to, but you know, I, I have respect for 
his opinion and he think I he said I you know I think it's going to be a really good hunter. So I said okay yeah I mean I can tell he jumps good but we'll you know we'll see when he gets here <laughs> and uh yeah he was great to work with from the beginning. I mean he obviously he was definitely immature. He was a little bit he, he needed a little coaxing and he was pretty young when you got him right yeah he had was just he was four just gonna be five in in maybe may or something of of 2020 so we just did the three and four year old to nine classes in florida probably only showed him five times during the circuit but he, he was champion each time and then you know, he was circuit champion in that division. And yeah, we just, we went out and showed him a couple other shows during the summer before everything kind of shut down. And then we went back to Florida and this year Kent was like, okay, I think you just start him in the first year green. And I was like, first year green. I mean, I didn't even, <laughs> you know, I did two shows, I think in the three foot and I think it was nice that we were in Florida for that long period of the winter. So he mainly showed in the same ring and he got used to it. I think if he, he was pretty green to so be, I think if he was going from show to show to different place, that might've been a little bit much for him, but sure. I think the fact that he got used to showing in either the, the main hunter ring or the Ross arena, we just brought him along uh slowly and he's just gotten better and better i mean at first he likes kind of a an under ride which you know i like to ride that way but yet there's times where you couldn't under ride him you know there was yeah. times where he was <laughs> studying and looking at the jump and all of a sudden you had to you know put your leg on and ride him stronger because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the under ride wasn't working but he always wants to do it. He always, you know, wants to please. He's a pet in the barn. We, he thinks, I don't know. I, it's almost like he's a orphan or something. He, he acts like he's a human and like loves his people loves whoever takes care of him. You know, I have a great girl, Kim Graves right now who just, adores him and i don't know i think it just makes a big difference when the horse has his people and has confidence in his people that he just feels confident i think and this going to capital challenge i had no real big expectations i'd never taken him indoors i was curious to see how he would be um but it he just in the last few months has really gotten braver and more confident and just walked in the first class. And I thought he went super, uh, Mm -hmm. he ended up second and then two more first and a second after that in the division, which gave him the championship and the grand championship. And then he's really the only horse that I had that, so I was like, well, you know, he's going to have to, I'll ride him in the challenge. And 
and hopefully, you know, that's not too much and, you know, that don't make it too spooky and, and, but that first round of the challenge, I, I don't think he could have gone much better that night. And the judges all gave him 95s and he ended up, he ended up winning the whole thing against some really top horses that, you know, have been doing this for a while. And you don't, you know, he's just, just turned six a few months ago. So I couldn't be more happy with him. And, And we, it's so nice that we got to keep him in the barn. And I was just going to say, I'm like, good, good decision. I'm keeping him around. Yeah, there was uh, throughout the year, you know, there many people were like, oh, do you, you know, is he for sale? Is he for sale? And I wouldn't really give him an answer because I was like, oh, I don't really want to sell him. So I'm not really saying anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really, I'm not really going to tell Ken. <laughs> and then, yeah, let's uh, not entertain this. <laughs> But then I think some of them just started calling Kent directly and Kent's like, no, uh, uh, you know, I think he sort of did the same thing because he didn't, you know, if a good offer came, but also it would be nice to keep a horse like that in the barn. And, and it, it was nice of Kent, to, you know, not to sell him and to wait until he found the right client so that I can keep bringing him along because it wasn't quite ready for anybody then. And luckily the, the Marnells uh, ended up buying half of them and seeing how it would work out. And then they ended up uh, buying all of them. So next year he'll be, he'll be doing the junior hunters with Ariana Marnell. And uh, I'm sure I'll show him here and there uh, to help him continue to his, you know, progress, but it's just, he's one of those horses. You can just tell he's going to, he's going to be famous and go for some time. Totally. Uh, Yeah. It's I'm so excited to see him do that next role. I think he's going to be great. So tell me a little bit kind of, as we're fully in indoor season, but kind of looking ahead into Florida and the new year, what are some goals that you have for yourself and and your program? Well, I'm really excited about, I have a few more clients this year, uh, amateurs and that I'm going to be training. And some of them are already in Florida waiting for me to get back. But yeah, I'm gonna train a little more, and hopefully, I'm sure I'll still have a few young horses to bring along, like we did with with Babylon. But I'm looking forward to you know, having my students do really well and uh, showing some of the big classes and big shows and make their dreams come true as well. Totally. 
And we're also about to enter a slightly, you know, for, for us, quieter time in, in the year, right before kind of the start of, of pre-WEF and, and circuit starting in Florida. What are some things, kind of walk me through some things that you work on with your horses and clients at home to kind of uh, prepare for what's ahead? Well, some of the horses that have been showing, I think they're going to they're gonna have, you know, an easy time. Yep. Uh, they'll have, I mean, I'm a firm, firm believer of, of balancing the training with also riding them on trails. And I did a lot of that with Babylon, you know, you know, I think that helped him a couple of days a week. I would ride him just on the trails all around, you know, Palm beach point or all around the shows or different that's what's so nice about Florida is that you can ride to different places. So, you know, with my young horses, I'll be, you know, taking them to different arenas and riding them on the trails and, you know, getting their confidence and making sure that they like their job because that's, that's my job is to make sure that they like what they're doing because if they like what they're doing and then they're going to want to do it for you, you know, and with, and then I'm just looking forward to my amateurs that I haven't even worked with before. Um, So I think they'll just be learning my system of how I train and how I want people to ride in the position that I'm looking for. But it's mostly teaching people where to to sit and how to be in the center of the stride. You know, so many people want to ride a little bit behind or or ahead or use too much seed. And so just teaching them to be a little more lighter and a little more invisible in their aids is sort of the way I teach and kind of a looser, softer style of riding. Well, yeah, that seems like it is going to be an exciting kind of new chapter with with new clients and now going back to transitioning to the new location um, in Florida. So yeah, lots of new exciting stuff happening. Do you have any specific exercises that you like to work on with your horse? Obviously, each horse requires different type of you know program and setup to prepare for showing. But are there certain exercises that you like to set up at your ring at home, or any products that you like to have at your barn that you feel like make you know an overall impact of how your horses perform? As far as the, the training, like I said, I like to set different lines that are maybe one is forward one is steady or i have riders ride them different ways where i can't see i can't see them making any adjustments that they can make a four into a five and a five into a four you know without going to their seat to move up or without bringing their hands back towards their body to steady and 
leaning back, you know, that they really working on them, keeping their angles the same, whether they're moving up or studying and trying to make all their aids as invisible as possible. Yeah. And then as far as, you know, with the horses, particularly with the horses that we get from Europe this time of year, we will get some new young ones to sort of start bringing them along. But, you know, it's important that they adjust to coming to new climate. Florida's obviously, they're coming to Florida and they've been in Europe this time of year. It's so a different. Big, <laughs> it's a big difference on their system. So, you know, we, one product we make sure that we give the horses is equine omega complete, uh, which really helps support their overall health. And, you know, it takes a while maybe for their, their system to adjust here, their, their gut health. So equine omega really helps with that. Or sometimes the sweating issues when you're coming over, horses aren't used to this sun and this heat and this humidity. And sometimes their systems sort of shut down and they don't sweat. So having them on products like Equine Omega Complete helps that as well, helps their immune systems, their skin, you know, sometimes there's allergies, different allergies that they're not used to uh, coming from other countries or, or even horses coming from the West coast. You know, it's different. It's totally different Florida. So Florida's a kind of a climate all in itself down uh-huh. there in Wellington. So having them on a product, you know, that really supports their overall health and immune system makes them just more rapidly and they feel better and then they end up, you know, performing better. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian industry either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Well, I think, you know, we're so focused on our, the A shows and the bigger shows that, you know, we go to or the big circuits, you know, but I, I think we really need to look at promoting smaller shows and schooling shows, not necessarily A shows, but whether, you know, B shows or county level shows, because it, it's gotten quite expensive to to do horse shows at the big level in Wellington. And, you know, for me knowing how it was growing up, I don't I think it's even harder now. There's there's not the shows I remember growing up and we could go to one day horse shows and they were really nice with really good competition and really good jumps and facilities and uh not now there seems to be so many of these big circuits week long shows and maybe the the circuits go for so many weeks in a row and they uh they're they're quite large but those those competitions and those shows cost a lot of money to go to and i think if we don't start worrying about 
you know, the smaller shows and trying to build those up, we're not going to have as many people doing it at the bigger shows anymore, particularly in, in the hunters. I think, you know, if you, if the only shows that you can go to, to do cross rails is in a show. Well, if someone was just starting out at that level, that's a lot of money to be going to a horse show, to be going to an A show to mm-hmm. do cross rails, where you really want to get people getting into this and and doing it, and and if that's the only way they can do it, I don't. I think we're not gonna. We're just not gonna have as many people doing it like we used to. Right. Yeah. It's a. It's a, It's definitely. A really good point. It's a, it's a little scary to think about how many who are at the top of our sport, I mean, yourself included, I would venture to say that who knows like where you would be or what you would be doing if it weren't for those opportunities for you to show at that level growing up. Right. And I think, you know, I know in the West Coast, there wasn't really, I mean, there was a county level in San Diego and maybe one up in Sacramento. But other than that, I mean, if you didn't go to the A shows, they weren't. So I think we have to think about that and, uh, you know, do whatever we can to sort of help with those shows and, and help those people because later on, you know, we want more people coming into this business and we don't want it just to be for the elite. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time out of your, I know this is such a busy time of year. So thank you so much for taking the time and congratulations on such an incredible year and I'm excited to continue to follow your journey and I wish you all the best. Well, thanks so much for everything, Bethany. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.